the people in the crowd couldn't believe their ears. Their hearts were breaking. Never before had they felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit like they were feeling it now. They had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, the holiday on which all Jews celebrated the grain harvest, 50 days after Passover. They came to Jerusalem confident of God's blessings upon their nation, celebrating the harvest that God had given them that year. But Peter and the apostles' words had caught them short. Their account of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection convicted them like nothing else had ever convicted them before. Now they knew that they stood guilty before God for killing the very Messiah he had sent to deliver them. No wonder they stopped Peter's message to ask, brothers, what should we do? In other words, how can we get out of this deep trouble we're in? How can we make things right with God again? And Peter answered, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people in that crowd surrendered their lives to Jesus that day. We've spent five weeks now talking about the story of redemption, God's plan to save everyone who is willing to put their trust in Jesus to save them from the guilt of their sins. We have learned how Adam and Eve and every other human being except for Jesus sinned and rebelled against God. We have learned how God sent his son Jesus into the earth to show us how to live and how to give his life for, as a ransom for sin's penalty so that we could go free. We have learned that our salvation is only through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And we have learned that we can only be saved by God's grace when we put our trust in Jesus to save us. This morning, we're going to see that God expects total surrender of our lives and our hearts to him as we put our faith in Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, we must repent or turn away from our sinful choices in order to follow him. It is also expected by God that we will be baptized into Christ to show our willingness to surrender our lives and our hearts to him. God's word is clear that baptism is part of our initial response to God, just like faith and repentance. Let's listen again to Dr. James Norrid as he shares in another one of the story of redemption films. Ultimately, all of us must answer the questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what will be the story of my life? It may be that you are asking the question, how do I take hold of this new life in Jesus Christ and make his story my story? Well, that is a very good question. If we follow the biblical account, the answer to this question becomes clear. We access God's grace and the hope and redemption that he offers by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and making him the Lord of our lives and being baptized into his name. Quite simply, the new life in Jesus Christ is all about following Jesus, which is why we came here to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus called his disciples. 
And the more that we follow Jesus, the more that we see that everything about Christ's life is a pattern, an example for us, including his baptism. When we submit our lives to the Father in faith, repentance, and baptism, we accept God's will for our lives, just as Jesus did when he was baptized. Now, the Apostle Paul was one to whom Jesus appeared to after the resurrection. Paul would write to the church in Rome, and there he would remind them about the new life that they had in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 6, Paul speaks of grace and faith and baptism into Christ. Notice what he says. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Paul speaks of baptism as a death, burial, and resurrection. Does that sound familiar? When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and are baptized into his name, we participate in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and make Christ's story our story, giving us a new identity, new life, and opening up a whole new world where we receive forgiveness of sins and the Spirit of God to live and dwell inside of us. Now in baptism, we do not earn our salvation. Christ earned everything on the cross. There's nothing that we could do to ever earn even one ounce of our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. And baptism is an expression of that faith. In fact, the very act of baptism in which we allow ourselves to be lowered down into the water shows an act of trust and submission. We have to at least trust that the person is going to bring us back up out of the water and we have to trust that God is going to save us and lift us up as well. In fact, Peter, in speaking of baptism, compares it to the ark and Noah and how the ark carried Noah and his family away from that old life of sin and brought them to a fresh new world. And so in the same way, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and are baptized into his name, this, he says, saves us also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but a way of pledging our consciences and our hearts and our lives towards God. I placed my faith in Jesus Christ when I was 12 years old. Though I'd grown up in a Christian home, I had to make my faith my own. I was at a Christian camp, and I remember going out late one night and looking up at the stars, and it struck me that Christ died not just for everyone out there, but that he died for me and my sins. And I decided that night that I wanted to follow Jesus Christ. And the next morning, I went down to the river and I was baptized into Christ. And it was the greatest decision that I ever made. And God has blessed me more than I deserve for that decision. Through faith, repentance, and baptism, we accept God's grace as a precious gift. And this is a choice which each of us must make. You may have grown up in a Christian home or perhaps went to church occasionally, or maybe you're just learning about Jesus for the first time, let me ask you, have you made a personal faith commitment to Jesus Christ? Have you been baptized into his name? If not, why not? 
Jesus himself was baptized. And when we're baptized into Christ, we follow the pattern that Jesus has set for our lives and we receive that new life. Now, when we make this faith decision, it is a personal decision. And yet, our salvation is not just a personal salvation because part of the gospel message is that there is a loving, Christ-centered community that we can be a part of. God's people, the church. God's people make up a loving family, all brought together at the foot of the cross, acknowledging the need for a savior, living the life of Jesus Christ, and taking up his mission to make the world a better place, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to reach out to all who are lost and hurting, and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the new life which we can take hold of, which will bring hope, purpose, and meaning to our lives. So now, how about you? What do you think of this new life in Jesus Christ? Have you made a faith commitment to Him? Have you been baptized into His name? What do you think that Christ is calling you to do with your life? May God bless you on this faith journey and may you find this new life in Jesus Christ. James Norrid said that there are some profound questions that all of us want to answer in life. Who am I? Why am I here? And what will be the story of my life? The pandemic that we are all living in has only amplified the significance of these questions and why we must get answers to them. Have you answered them to your satisfaction? If not, are you going to keep pursuing answers? Are you going to pretend they don't really matter? I pray that none of us would ever get to the end of our lives and think, I missed it. I never figured out who I am or why God gave me my life. I never knew what my story was supposed to be. How tragic that would be indeed. God has created each of us for a purpose so that we may know God and live the way he says is best for us to live. His goal is for all of us to be with him for eternity. But we have to decide if that's what we want also. This is our individual choice to make. Do you know God and his love? Do you want to be with him for eternity? Have you chosen to trust Jesus to save you from your sins? Is it your desire to live for God the rest of your days here on planet Earth? That's what we've been leading up to these past five weeks. Our individual decisions to believe in Christ and to follow him forever. It's unfortunate that Christianity has split into so many factions and disagreements about baptism and the plan of salvation. There's a whole world of lost and lonely people looking for answers, but the church too often only adds to their confusion. If you ask 10 churches what baptism means, you might get as many as 10 answers. Today, I hope we can clear up the confusion and just look at what the Bible says. My hope this morning is to give you a simple biblical understanding of baptism. Then you can study the subject yourself to see for yourself what the Bible actually says. Let me make one thing clear at the outset. In baptism, we do not earn our salvation or work for our salvation. 
Christ has already done everything we need for our salvation. So baptism is not earning salvation. Remember what we have already learned. We are saved by grace through faith. That's in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Baptism is only an action of that grace because God is the one accomplishing our salvation, not us. In fact, when you think about it, we're not really doing anything when we get baptized. Someone else is baptizing us. And when we were baptized into Christ, we were not doing anything except appealing to God to have our souls cleansed by his spirit. At our baptism, we pledge our lives to God and seek the new life that he promises us in Jesus Christ alone. My come to Jesus moment occurred when I was just nine years old. I vividly remember when I knew that I had personally sinned and rebelled against God and that I deserved his punishment. I also learned, however, that God has sent his son to the world because of his great love for you and for me. I learned that Jesus had died in my place so that I could be forgiven. It was only natural for me to place my trust in Jesus, to repent of the bad choices that I had made, and to be baptized into Christ as God told me to be. It was a simple transaction, my surrender to God and my desire to follow Christ, and yet it had profound implications for my life. I no longer belonged to myself, but to God. I accepted the new life God offered me in Jesus Christ, and I have never looked back. Now, that doesn't mean I've been perfect. You all know that. But the aim of my life has always been to follow Jesus Christ and to honor him by the way that I live. Why is someone baptized in the first place? Well, to follow Christ's example and to obey Christ's command to die to sin and to be raised to live the new life that God has promised us, to be cleansed by God spiritually as we seek to and receive the blessing, the cleansing only he can give us. Who is to be baptized? Well, everyone who trusts Jesus for their salvation, everyone who repents of their past and aims their life toward God. How are they supposed to be baptized? Well, they are to be fully immersed into water, symbolizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. James Nor had already read from Romans 6. Let me reread verse 3 and 4 of that same chapter. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Christian baptism identifies the believer with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. That's what Romans 6, 4 says. The Apostle Paul added something else in Colossians 2, 11 and 12. In him... You were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. The opening day of the Church of Jesus was the day of Pentecost. 
50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus on Passover. As Peter and the other disciples were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, they went out and they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time, just as Jesus said they would. As Peter's sermon convicted the hearts of many people gathered in Jerusalem, they asked him, what should we do to be saved? And in Acts 2.38 and following, Peter gave this reply. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. As these people in Jerusalem were convinced that they were under God's judgment for sin, they repented, they turned from their sin, and they were baptized immediately in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were forgiven of their sins. They received the Holy Spirit. From that day on, conversions recorded in the Bible often follow the same pattern, faith, repentance, and baptism. The Ethiopian official in Acts 8 believed in Jesus when he first heard the good news. And he asked to be baptized by Philip as soon as they came to a large body of water. Lydia and her household were baptized in Acts 16 after they heard about salvation in Jesus Christ. The Philippian jailer was also baptized along with his family, Acts 16, in the middle of the night after he heard Paul preach about Jesus. The Apostle Paul himself was baptized after Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus. After three days of blindness, he was told to get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on Jesus' name. Acts twenty-two sixteen. Being baptized into Christ then was the typical or usual experience of everyone who came to faith in the New Testament. When Paul or Peter or other New Testament writers wrote about baptism, they safely assumed that the people they wrote to had become followers of Jesus and all been baptized in his name. That is why Romans 6.3 could say, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? As a person believes in Jesus Christ, they turn from their sin and are baptized into Christ, all the while asking God to cleanse them from sin through the power of Jesus Christ, the same power that was shown in his resurrection from the dead. The Old Testament shares the true story of a Syrian army commander named Naaman, who contracted leprosy. Naaman's story illustrates what everyone who wants to be saved needs to do. Naaman went to Elisha, the prophet of God, for healing because his servant girl was a Jewish girl who told him that Elisha alone could heal him of his leprosy. He went to Elisha hoping that Elisha would do some powerful miracle to bring healing to his body. But Elisha simply told him he needed to go to the Jordan River and dip himself into the river seven times. Naaman grew angry at this command, saying, Aren't there far better rivers in Syria than the Jordan River? Why didn't Elisha tell me to be washed there? But his servant said, If he had given you something difficult to do in order to be cleansed of your leprosy, wouldn't you have done it? 
Why not go ahead and do this simple, humbling thing in order to be cleansed? And upon that advice, Naaman changed his heart and humbly did what the prophet of God told him to do. And he was immediately cleansed of his leprosy. We sometimes get hung up on making sure we go through the right steps to achieve some goal, breaking down, analyzing each step of the process, checking the box when we have finished each one. But you know what? God just looks at the heart. God looks at your heart and mine. And he looks at whether we are truly believing, truly repenting, truly wanting to be baptized into Christ just because we're humbling our heart before him, surrendering our lives to him. Is our response to his grace in Jesus Christ sincere and honest and true? Are our hearts broken before him, understanding the validity of his judgment upon us for our sin, and yet amazed that he is offering us forgiveness in Jesus Christ? Are we like the people in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, asking, what should we do to be saved? Are we as willing as they were to do whatever God requires of us to receive what he is offering in Christ? If you're listening to the word of God this morning and God is somehow convicting and convincing you that you need to get your heart right with him, I implore you to humble yourself before him today. I implore you to put your faith in Jesus Christ to save you and then to turn away from your sin. Share your desire to follow Christ with us or with a Christian friend so that you can be baptized into Christ as soon as possible. And then, as you are baptized, ask God to save your soul and to free you from sin's grasp on your life. As you are baptized, ask God to give you the new life he has graciously promised you in Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, have you made a personal commitment, a faith commitment to Jesus Christ to follow him? Have you been baptized into his name? If not, why not? Is this a next step you need to take? May we help you take your next step toward Jesus, whatever that may be. I'm going to encourage you now, if you click on the next steps card or just let us know how you would like to be contacted, you could call the church office at the number there, 703-369-1120. Leave us a message. 369-1120, and we will return your call as soon as possible. I pray for you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is true, that your word is like a, a sword uh, dividing all of the things in our lives that would keep us from you, uh, cleaning up the confusion so that we can understand what you want in our lives. You have spoken so clearly to the good news of Jesus that you sent him into the world to save us. And by your grace, through our faith, you can do that for anyone today. Doesn't matter what we've done. Doesn't matter how far we've run from you. Doesn't matter how many things we've done to hurt others or, or to hurt you that your grace is sufficient to bring us back home. And your willingness, your love for us amazes and astounds us. 
And if there's anyone here today that is just feeling that tug from you today, feeling the conviction of your spirit in their lives, that they need to get their heart right with you, I pray that they'll not put that off, that they'll not say, well, maybe next time. But today will be the day of salvation for them. And they will surrender their life to you. That they will repent of the things that they've been doing that have kept them from you and uh, kept them distracted and held them in bondage. And that they would be baptized into Christ And they would receive from you, even today, that grace that would forgive their sin and cleanse them and bring them back to you one day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ that encourage us. We pray that we might reach out to one another today. And if someone has a decision to share, that they would reach out to us or to another Christian today. And they would follow through on the next steps that you have given them even now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.